Welcome to episode 171 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. Hey, Jason, how's it going? It's going well. How are you doing? It's been a while. I'm not doing too bad. It's been, uh, this last week has been a week full of, let's just say, incidents and fun. Like, for example, my apartment building going on fire. Jeez. It wasn't your fault, was it? <laughs> no, it wasn't, but it was an, it was a, a, an interesting experience. So what happened? I mean, you, uh, I mean, you called me, you were out of the house, you, you said you grabbed your, your cat, your computer, your backup hard drive, and your wife, not necessarily in that order. And my podcasting mic. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the most important things, not your passport, not your uh, checkbook. <laughs> well, so I'm, I'm just sitting here working, and uh, Georgie is out at the front of the house, and she sees a fire engine come up, and she's like, oh, I wonder what, wonder what that fire engine's come up for. And then a second one comes up and she's like, oh, there's another one. Then a third one comes up and all the fire guys get out and, and she's looking down at them and they're looking up at her and she's like, holy crap, <laughs> they're looking at this, this building. So then all of a sudden they uh, extend the ladder and kind of go onto the roof and they all start running into the building. And this is a two-story building. And in, in the, ground, the ground floor um, at the back, there was an apartment on fire. There's about, I guess there's probably about like 16 or 20 apartments in this building. Um, so th- th- it was really on fire. Like there was massive flames coming out of the window, but those wow. guys, they did such a good job. They basically, they, for a start, the smoke, the smoke detector, someone heard it and smelt the smoke and called up the fire guys, the brigade, the brigade. We call them firemen here. Firemen, right. Okay. <laughs> the fire guys. <laughs> the fire guys. Okay. And they, they were here within about two minutes of the call. And they, they, I mean, I, I found this subsequently afterwards. Right. And then when they came, they were so good at putting it out. I thought, you know, oh, this was just like sort of run of the mill, but actually it had gone really, really well. And the next day they came back and reenacted to some new recruits because it was such a good, such a good job that they'd done. It's, it's nice when you actually get, you see professionals like that in action. Yeah. And they're actually as good or better than you had imagined. Yeah. I had something like that happen. Like, I don't know, this must've been, uh, seven years ago or eight years ago and uh sandy was pregnant and she was out walking the dog and uh something happened where some kind of crazy guy was following and yelling following her and kind of yelling at her and she came home this is kind of early in the morning like seven in the morning or seven thirty, and she's kind of in tears because she's so scared and so i call the police and, uh, you know, and, you know, tell them or call the 911 or whatever. And they dispatch someone. And then I run out and try and see if I could figure, find out what was going on, see if I could see the guy. And I swear within like two minutes, these two guys show up. They're like, they look like a cross between Delta, what you might imagine Delta Force guys would look like <laughs> or right. middle linebackers for like a professional football team. And they're both like, you know, they're like, you know, standing like, yes, what's the problem? And I'm like, whoa. I'm like, no, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's exactly what I ordered. These guys, they were amazing. And they go, they they go out and they find the guy. They're like, oh yeah, that's just so and so. He's 
he's harmless, but we know who he is, so don't worry about it. But it was so funny to like actually have have them show up and it'd be that impressive. So so as soon as Georgie tells me that, that the house is on fire, I'm like, oh okay. And she goes, No, no, really. It's like it it's on fire. We need to we need to get out. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I I get up and I grab, like you said, I grab the computer and I grab the podcasting mic. And I basically ran out the door and run down the stairs. And then I, and then I thought, hold on a sec. What am I doing? I'm like, I should be getting my wife out, making sure that my wife gets out, <laughs> making sure that my cat gets out. So, so I, I dropped all that stuff in the hallway after, after running out, like with my initial panic reaction and then ran back in and basically went to get, to get uh, Georgie and the cat. Was out. she like, yeah, uh, did you forget something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, and so then, um, wait, wait, there's a, there's like a, there's like a funny commercial like that where the, where the, where the woman's pregnant and she's like, I, you know, my water just broke and the husband starts freaking out and he grabs a bag and runs out the door and gets in the car. <laughs> That's exactly and takes what off. it was like. That's <laughs> and exactly he pulls back the driveway like. and rocks back and she's like, hello. <laughs> yeah. it's exactly what it was like. I was just totally in like emergency mode. And then, so I, you know, went, ran back in and then, um, uh, obviously got Georgie and got the cat and the, and there's this hiding place where the cat goes to where it's impossible to get the cat out of. And, when when it begins to get freaked out, it starts to move in that direction towards that hiding place. It basically gets right into the middle of the sofa. It crawls up underneath into the sofa. So I just, I basically, I don't know, somehow I got some kind of superhuman speed <laughs> and just grabbed it <laughs> as it was like running. So I, so, and then of course the cat basically scratched, scratched my arm quite, quite a lot. Oh, and so uh, just, I grabbed it by the scruff of the neck so I've got Georgie in one hand, the cat by the scruff of the neck in the other hand, running down the stairs. Now you got the firemen. right one by the scruff this time, right? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that was fine. And the, the firemen didn't even notice us. They were just like doing their thing. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear it all ended out okay, because you were back in your house later that day, right? Yeah, it was good. Well, I, I, Con, I should say, your apartment. Maybe at, the, at the, very, the very end of the day, because the power was off um, for most of the day, and then there was no hot water as well. So, so were there any other incidents? You said that was that was one incident. Oh, I sold my house, like officially oh, the one sold. Back to UK. Yeah, and wait, waiting for the cash to uh, to fly its way across from England to America, carried by storks in a napkin cradle. Well, okay. Now you ended up taking some of my some of my advice on that, right? Because you had a guy who was staying there, was renting the place, right? The yeah. buyer wanted it, but the guy had at least three or five months on his, on his lease or something. And I said, dude, just go and tell the guy you'll give him like 500 bucks if he gets out in the 30 days. Was that what happened exactly there? Basically. Yeah. But he did, he didn't quite go for the 30 day thing. And to be honest, he was very insulted actually. <laughs> he was. It's not like you've ever insulted anyone, Jason, but he, no, he was very insulted by the fact of basic, because I think he just took it like, oh, you know, they, they just, they, do they just want to get me out for 500? Like I'm just a, piece of meat or something well to you to, to you i mean who, who of course he is that's he's just a random person <laughs> well so then so so he writes back a big long email about how kind of how insulted he is but then i guess he was so insulted he decided to look for a place <laughs> <laughs> so then he goes and looks for a place and he finds one and he's like oh um actually maybe i will have that 500 <laughs> so, yeah right see yeah, yeah. this is all bs i mean I, I guess it all depends on how you say it to him if you say hey listen you know we have a buyer who's really anxious to get in and we'd really like to close this deal. Um, I understand this is a big inconvenience for you. So I I'd be happy to help, you know, maybe, you know, <laughs> offer you some cash to, uh, 
make your life a little easier if you, if you could help us out. You know, I mean, I don't know how you said it, but I can't imagine how that could be too insulting to somebody. Well, he was already, it, it already wasn't a great relationship. Um, because he, okay, so he, so he's upset that you didn't have a great relationship and that, yeah, because he hasn't been treated in his opinion. Like he, this guy is I, actually, I'm not sure I even want to talk too much, but anyway, he, he didn't like the agents cause I have agents managing that house and he didn't like them. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't like the way that he was treated by them. So this kind of was another thing that was just like annoying to him. I always find people like that who are always worried about how people are treating them. It's usually them that are a big part of the problem. That is uh, definitely true. I would, th- I would say, you know, it's like, this is saying, it's like, when you look at a problem closely enough, you'll, re- you'll, you'll usually realize that you were part of the problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know, but, um, well, that's, uh, that's good news. So money in the bank. Okay. So, so talking about money a little bit more, I don't we're think you've had a- your pocket. What are you going to buy? Actually, I really, I'm going to do some major research into where I can put that cash where it will not lose value. As we've, we've had that discussion, so we don't need to go into a bit more. But if anyone has any advice, please do post it. Crowdsource <laughs> yeah, your investment. Yeah, like it'd be, it'd be appreciated. Just the, not, the most, but, like the, the, the most surefire way to put that cash where it's not going to lose value against the dollar or whatever. So if, if inflation goes crazy, it will, it will retain the same value. Inflation and isn't going to go crazy. Okay, I know I don't think it is either, but anyway. Well, but let also me just so that it's liquid. You brought that up several times. Why are you so worried about inflation specifically? It's not that I'm worried about inflation. It's that I can't, like, this is, this is an amount of money that means I actually have a down payment on a house, right? Okay. And it sort of feels kind of too good to be true. And I just don't want anything to go wrong. I want to be ultra vigilant about not losing it. Well, look, you can just, just put it in a short-term CD. I mean, you're not going to make much money on it, but you're not going to lose it. You yeah. know, and I, I mean, what you don't want to do is go play the market with it. Oh, no, 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 no chance. So just go and just put it in some type, some type of short-term CD and get your couple percent, which will be enough to basically break even with, you know, inflation at the end of the day. I mean, I think we're having like, I just read some article recently by the Business Insider, and I guess it was something about a, a recent Federal Reserve um, meeting where they, uh, they're shooting for a 2% inflation rate over the next 10 years hmm. or something that, that, that they generally, the reason their reasoning for keeping inflation, uh, um, small inflation, at least in part, is to, is to fight against deflation, which they consider to be a more pernicious problem. Right. And um, so, yeah, you have this minor deflation, which, however, that inflation eats away against people, but against your capital. And when you get, when the interest rates are so low as they are now, um, you, you know, you get a couple percent, one and a half percent or something return. I mean, you're almost, you're just treading water if not going backwards. So this kind of sucks for, um, when you have low interest, you're in a situation where it's not good for savers, but it actually is good for speculators. Could speculate, because when you're speculating, you can borrow money at low interest and try and play the market. So if you remember on our last discussion show, we had the discussion about GoDaddy and about whether... You you were kind of teasing me because I didn't really mind that much about whether we use GoDaddy or not. Right. right. I was like, ah, well, whatever. What the hell? So one of our listeners who shall remain anonymous, um, and I don't think we've I don't think we've had a discussion show since then, so we haven't been able to mention this. One of our listeners who who shall remain anonymous was so outraged, outraged at the possibility of us using GoDaddy, that they donated the entire amount 
$199 for us to buy an SSL certificate. Yes. And uh, <laughs> this person, I know he's a, he's a, um, I would consider him a friend of mine on, on, that I've met online mm-hmm. through the show and I yeah. know, other, other avenues and really, really nice guys. I mean, obviously I can't say how much we appreciate that. I mean, it's just, uh, it was quite a incredibly nice thing to do. Yeah, I, it was, it was I, a I shock. Guilty. I was like, like, dude, <laughs> Like that is a really nice thing to do. I, I feel like we can't accept it because it's. I mean, that's. A lot. It's just. It just feels too much, doesn't it? Now, um, how how are we getting along with that? I think we're waiting for some for the lawyer to um, to do something. Oh, the update on the whole SSL. Okay, so we have an SSL certificate. What we don't have is an extended validation certificate, mm-hmm. an, an EV, which um, essentially requires that you get a letter of opinion from an attorney that verifies that you are who you say you are, that you are um, a, uh, um, either a managing member of your LLC or uh, the, you know, whatever, the president or CEO of your company. What, and uh, they verify the bank account. So they, they, they kind of just basically look over and, and verify all of the legal documentation and, and, and then sign it and say, yes, you know, this, this person is who they say or this company is. What they claim it but to you, be. You had access to a lawyer, right? So I think we're waiting for that, are we? Or? Yes. Okay. So, um, yeah. Luckily, uh, as she, uh, this person, she's a uh, f- a friend of uh, of Sandy's, uh, of my wife's, and um, and uh, Sandy took all of. I gave her all of my, you know, the, the articles of incorporation, my passport, the you know, the letter, of, the letter of opinion, um, template, all the other stuff, and um, but unfortunately. The thing that we didn't have that she would have needed um, would be our articles of incorporation. No, not our articles of incorporation. I'm sorry. Our uh, our operating agreement, our LLC operating agreement. Oh, we need to get that sorted. We right, haven't right. gotten around to signing. So all we really need to do for starters is get a basic operating agreement uh, template, make any small modifications we need, and we both sign it. And then I can take the, I can set up an appointment for her and she can... Um, you know, sign everything, and then we send that in to start SSL and get our EV, get our extended validation. Okay, so um, <clears throat> what do we need to do to do that uh, agreement thing? Like, just just do it, right? Yes, I've, I've, um, you know, I've set up at least four LLCs at this point in my life, and um, so I have a couple of um, templates that we could use. They're okay. pretty straightforward. I mean, even even like you no know, biz filings is who um, we use to incorporate. Mm-hmm. And they even sent one. Unfortunately, it's paper form. It's not in digital form. So we can get one of those, and then we can just kind of go through it and see, like, you know, if we feel like we need to add anything to it. Um, what we could do is we could sign something that's really basic. And since we're equal partners, it's pretty much, I don't think it's going to be too big a deal to sign something that's really sort of generic. Yeah. Um, or sort of the default LLC um, agreement. Yeah. But we can always you know put something together like that sign it and then if we want to spend more time three to six months from now and, and add some clauses or something we could do that but i don't know but yeah we we just need to set aside a i need to set aside a couple hours to find the template make any small modifications send it to you you to review it you to say okay or yay or you know whatever and then we gotta we gotta meet somewhere and both sign it so that because i need an actual you know document cool so um all right, cool. We'll, we'll, we'll get onto that tomorrow then, I guess. Um, so we also have a shout out from um, a shout out donation, $10 donation from Michael Green. And um, 
thanks very much, Michael. Nice. Ten was Michael the one who suggested that we get the um, recurring latte donation? That's right. Yeah. So he's, he basically says, yeah. by the way, is there a way to set up a recurring donation? Um, just thought it would make sense with an automatic latte a month donation. We could call it Club Latte. <laughs> that That's a good... Actually, I want to talk to you about this. I, I want to move this whole donation thing going through my PayPal. I want us to just create a texting PayPal. Okay. No, that, that's think. better. Yeah, that and I, I think we should... I think we should... Uh, if, if there's a way that we can create a recurring donation, maybe we could just do it through Stripe. That would be... It would just be easier, right? <laughs> right. Well, we use it through Stripe, and we can do it recurring, and maybe like the, you know, $5 a month, the, you know... Five or ten dollars a month. Maybe we have two or three levels. We have the club latte. You know, you know what's it, what's it? T- tall, grande, venti. <laughs> yeah, but then, club but latte, then, <laughs> three levels. <laughs> well, and and here's the thing: at Starbucks prices, it's probably going to be like forty bucks a month. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know what we could do is um, we could um, come up with very specifically what it is we want to use the money for. Yeah. Right. Redesign of the website. Get actual real photos of us, real professional photos together. It would look pretty cool. Because I think if we improve the, professionalize the design of our site and our um, professionalize our sort of, what's it called? The album cover thing, whatever that's yeah. called. Th- that might help us when we're trying to get these higher profile guests on. Yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, I've sent out like two emails that I sent out uh, to guests that I haven't really, well, I, I got one that sort of has sort of a, um, well, okay, let me start over. So I sent an email to Raymond Hedinger, who's like a real big shot in the uh, Python world. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I was, I was up at Uber, um, for a few days working with them again. And I, and I, I was asking one of the guys, I'm like, who should I invite? Who's really f- smart and kind of funny and interesting. And they're like, Oh man, you should get Raymond and Hedinger. And, and the two or three of the guys said, like, Oh man, he's the man. Like they all went to PyCon just to hear him talk. Yeah. So I sent him an email and you know, he's kind of a, you know, he, like I said, he's a pretty high profile. He, um, does a keynote. I think he does, does did like keynote at PyCon. So, um, he's not, he's not, sh- you know, short of, places to speak but yet he did email me back and says and, and wanted a little more specifics on it like you know how do we record it and when so we, i might be able to nail that down um the second person i emailed was jeff moss he's the founder of of uh defcon and the black hat conference yeah and he seems like he's the guy when it comes to internet security and I thought it would be really interesting to have someone on like him to talk about that whole world, sort of the black hat, white hat, gray hat um, security, get some war stories and like how certain sites got hacked and what happened and how the world's involved and his work with like Homeland Security and I don't know, NSA or FBI, whoever he's worked with. I thought that would be just fascinating if we could get him on, but he's never returned my email. So I don't know. It's, it's things like that. You send an email and you don't hear anything and you wonder, well, do they take a quick look at the website and go, huh? I don't know. <laughs> Does it look serious, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. But I, we did a bunch of um, we did a bunch of interviews, so I think we're kind of good for a few weeks. I think we can do take a couple weeks off from interviews and just do some discussion shows and mm-hmm. you know focus on any foo. Yeah, any foo. Yes. Well, done, well done for bringing that up. So, um, well, you know what? I think we should hold off on any foo. Let's let's get into that more mid show. All right. Well, I've got I've got I've got some more stuff to go then if you want. Okay, oh, that's fine. Go ahead. So, um, stuff too. So, um, oh, you do? 
Yeah, I got a bunch of stuff. Well, you know what? We haven't had a discussion in like three weeks. Go on then. You you bring something up, and then I'll and then I'll go after that. All right. Well, um, why don't we uh, why don't we start light? Um, so um, you remember how, remember the um the I, I want to talk TV and movies for a minute, like my stuff. Yeah. So um, one thing I've been watching that's been really good is Prophets of Science Fiction. I think it's on the History Channel or the Science Channel. I'm not sure. One of the two. And they've been doing like, a, they'll do like each week, like when we could be on like Asimov or Arthur C. Clarke or H.G. Wells or Philip K. Dick or one of these guys. And it is really interesting. So I would recommend that to anybody who's interested in science. science where, where can you watch it? Is it on Netflix? <sighs> um, well, yeah, I'm sure you could probably get Netflix or something, but you know, it's, it's like on the history, cha- it's either on the history channel, or science channel. I mean, just do a search on Google and it'll pop up, but you might be able to just watch it on, on the website. Um, so it's called it, the Prophets uh, of Science. Prophets of Science Fiction. It's it's hosted by Ridley Scott, who did Alien and Gladiator and the TV show Numbers. Okay, that Ridley, sounds cool. Right. So it's it's very well done. Um, and the uh, the one that's starting tonight, I got I got to remind Sandy to record that is Masters of Science Fiction. Stephen Hawking's Masters of Science Fiction, mm-hmm. which is on the Science Channel. And that was cool. I've, what do you think of um, Fringe? As it's been as it's been, I'm loving it. I love. Are you my, still liking it? Yeah. Loving me some Fringe. Yeah, Fringe for me is kind of like, you know, my two of my favorite shows, you know, of the drama, yeah, story of all time were X Files and Lost, and it's kind of a combination of those two. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it's it's it's, it's pretty uh, it's pretty damn good. I, I highly I recommend it. It's 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 gotten better over time. It's gotten really good. You know, one and I don't want to give anything away, so I won't go into specifics. But one thing that's that's really a struggle for programs is if you have this sort of like. Um, romantic chemistry between two characters. And if they ever come together and the relationship is, they be, they're, they're kind of like, there's no more chemistry because they're together. Yeah. It kills the show. Yeah. But they've, they've managed to maintain that. They've managed to like, they're together and then they're not for some strange reason. And they get, you know, it's like, and it's yeah. not like they break up. It's like, you know, you know, they're in a different universe or different timeline. Or That's whatever. a clever device. Actually. I told Sandy that because Sandy watches it and she actually likes it. Um, and I think partially because of that, the, the characters and the relationships, and um, and I'm like, you know, it's, it's, I think that's what keeps you keeps you interested, you know. So um, another, um, you know, I, I last night, no, it was two nights ago. Um, I watched uh, Limitless, the movie with uh, Sandy. Yeah, I, I've seen that as well. Yeah, and I saw it, you know, in the movie theater. Um, I don't know what it was like eight months ago or a year ago or something, whenever it came out. And I loved it. That was, that was one of my favorite movies of the year. And uh, we watched, I watched it with her last night, and I still liked it a lot, but she didn't like it. I was like, what? <laughs> How could she not like it? She's like, it was too predictable. And I was like, you know, I guess it kind of, I mean, like I was predicting, when the first time I saw it, I was predicting my way through it. I kept leaning over to to Pat um, Pat Maddox was watching with me, and I go, I watch this is going to happen. What you know, watch this. This is what's going to happen. He's like, he's like, what are you, man? Are you on NCT? Which is that brain enhancing drug? <laughs> and uh, it's just so funny how like you know we've talked about this before. It's like how two people watch something and have completely different perspectives on it. Like she just was like, eh, eh. And I'm like, sometimes you want to watch something even if it is predictable because you want it to fulfill itself. And you know you're looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mind it. I didn't mind the, um, you know, I didn't mind the fact that you could kind of guess the next step. That that's kind of what had to happen. 
but um, you know, because a lot of times I know there's some people who 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 can't let their brain just relax. They they they're thinking they're so hard through it, and then if they can if they can predict it all, it kind of ruins it for them. I kind of just go back in total passive mode, and I'm just like, let it happen, mm. you know. But I don't know. So I was kind of disappointed. I was a little surprised that she didn't like it, but I still think it's a great movie, so I recommend it <laughs> to anybody who likes you know, that kind of stuff. And you know, the other thing I've been watching is um. On the um on uh, it's called Bloomberg Game Changers, yeah. You know the Bloomberg Business Channel. They have they 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 the show does like they've been doing they'll do like Twitter and Facebook and they did retastings from Netflix and they did um, Branson from Virgin and uh, the Koch brothers. You know people might know them from like the uh, big oil and petroleum conglomerate they run and they did a you know a bunch of others. But that was really interesting too. If you like. You know, watching the kind of profiles of these, you know, super successful, you know, entrepreneurs. I'm I'm feeling like Netflix programming has gone down a bit. Um, I guess they've lost some content providers or something. Yeah, it remember. does feel very old. All the stuff that's on there now, Stars or something. Was the one that they lost yeah. their relationship with? Was, was it stars? stars? Yeah. But then they got a new. They then they set up some new deals. So. I don't know. I mean, I don't watch Netflix that much, mostly because I'm too lazy because I have to turn, like, I have to, like, dick around with, like, three different remotes. Like, all right, turn all this right. one on, turn this off, switch this, and I'm just like, yeah, screw it. What's on the DVR? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, it is so lazy. I mean, it's beyond a first world problem. That <laughs> is like, yeah. I mean, speaking of first world problems, <laughs> I was, um, Sadie was, told me she was talking to this friend of hers, and was asking him, so, you know, are you, are you, uh, you guys off for uh, school on Monday? This was like, a, well, last week was like Lincoln's birthday or something like that. And she's like, oh, we have the whole week off. And she's like, what? For Lincoln's birthday? She's like, oh, no, it's, it's ski week. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's their holiday. Like, these, these private schools actually have a holiday week just for skiing. It's, now, that's, that's that ridiculous. <laughs> but it, is, is it President's Day this, week, this Monday? I think President's... I don't know. I, I, I lose track of this stuff. I barely remember the big holidays, much less these small holidays. So I don't know what... I know that President's Day and Martin Luther King and Lincoln and all that stuff, I was like January, February, but I can't remember what's what. Well, I've got a couple of things to bring up. So we, had, we have our first listener questions Uh-oh. from James, James McGraw. Uh-oh, putting us on the spot, huh? Uh, not too much. Well, putting me on the spot more than you, I think. There is one for you, but uh, there's a couple for me. Um, so James said, um, I wanted to post a listener question for the show. Would have done it on the comments, but they're getting a bit out of control with people rushing to your defense. Oh, so that must have been from the, the last yeah, discussion. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk show. about that in a minute, actually. That's kind of- All right, fair enough. So, um, <clears throat> so James said, I- I'd love to hear about the following. Uh, can Justin give a roundup of his marketing mega experiment with Tweetboard? Yes, I can. Um Basically, it was a lot of work, a lot of effort, and it is increasing my luck surface area. Um, but the, the end result is about 15 signups, 15 trial signups a month, which I guess is okay. What do you think, Jason? Is that, is that I don't acceptable? know well, how many trial signups turn into actual paying customers. Well, the trial signups are basically 40. I think um, I have around about 40% a conversion ratio from free to paid at the moment. So I guess it's, you know, like four or five paid customers a month. And a paid customer is worth how much per month? Anywhere from $9 to 
80. And what would you say the average would be? I mean, I mean, if you had five, I mean, the average is 15, $15 total. So I've if gone you, through okay. it. Yeah. The average is 15. So yeah. five at $15 is what? $75. Yeah. So in fact, that makes me feel so $75 good. $75 a month. And what's the lifetime value? I mean, how, how often, how long do customers really stick around? Typically, um, I guess maybe six months, six months. Yeah. So $75 times, I don't know. So yeah, I don't know. It depends on how many hours you spent on it. <laughs> it's not like it doesn't make you, you know, really rich or anything, but, um, and it had an, it had an initial burst, but it's, it's generally ticking over and, um, it's, you know, it's just another, another thing that adds up towards building, building the flywheel that keeps money coming. Well, okay. Out. Well, here's the question. I mean, I guess it's a real, it's a, it's, it's a net positive if it, makes in if over the lifetime of it working of getting signups through it that you make revenue enough revenue to cover how many hours you would have made say doing consulting work during that time yeah how many hours do you think you spent building it um i think it was about maybe two eight hour days maybe less maybe eight let's round it up and let's say it was uh you know See, I was 20 hours max. Yeah, $2,000? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That sounds like you'll probably exceed that in the end. I mean, and the thing is, is that you, you try a lot of things, and some things, most, most things don't work at all, and a few things work sort of, and then every, every once in a while something works really well. And, yeah. You know, I, I mean, I don't know. It depends. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it sounds like that's, that's not bad. Okay. So I must apologize to listeners about the Jason sound quality. Um there's not much we can do about it. This is this is the connection we have right now. Um so we'll just we'll just keep going forward with the show anyway. Is there anything I can do at my side? Can I record something here? I guess I really can't with my no. Hmm. Not really, no. Oh, okay, so, like surface area. I was oh, well hold hold on. We ha- we haven't finished uh, we haven't finished James James's questions. Uh, okay. What's the ratio of Stripe to PayPal for new sign ups on Plugier? because uh, now it's got both Stripe and PayPal, so he's interested in that. Um, and it's funny, I was hoping that PayPal would be eradicated and wouldn't be used, but I guess it's just easier for some people, you know, because you just require, it just requires a login. Um, and it does seem to be about 35% uh, PayPal and um, the other for Stripe. So generally people go for Stripe, but there are still a significant portion of people going for PayPal. And I'm sure they wouldn't sign up if PayPal wasn't there, you know, because it's just easy. Yeah. Right? And then the, his third and final question is, how is Jason's screenplay coming along? Interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So I guess I should probably give a little background to that because people n- n- who are relatively new to the show might not know about that story at all. Mm-hmm. So I guess, well, how long ago was that? Six months, eight months ago? It feels like a year. Yeah. I had an idea for um a screen uh, uh, i don't know like a tv it could be a tv series or a movie where you would have like this sort of ragtag group of hackers and uh, i don't know kind of maybe even sort of bank robber types who gets get sort of enticed into breaking into area 51 kind of like an ocean's <laughs> 11 meets uh you know x files or something so like it, maybe you have i was thinking that would be something along the lines of some big military contractor company gets wind that there's some technology in there that um that the government was giving other another one of its competitors access to 
and they were getting beaten in the market severely because of it, and they needed access to it. And they somehow caught a couple of these, you know, guys in a pinch trying to break into their own, into their facility or doing something. And they said, listen, you know, you're going to do this for us. We'll reward you for it or we're, you know, we won't send you to jail or whatever. And so these guys kind of have to break into Area 51 and it's kind of humorous and crazy. And that leads into like a, a, you know, kind of they go down the rabbit hole. What's the idea? And so um, I told a few people. Uh, friends of mine um, who thought it was kind of funny, they kind of laughed. I said, yeah, it sounds, that sounds kind of funny. I, I'd, you know, watch that movie <laughs> or whatever. And so I happen to know, I have a few friends of mine who, who are writers. I mean, I live in LA, so who doesn't, I guess. <laughs> and um, it's like living in New York and knowing somebody in finance. So I, I, I went to the gym and, and this guy I know, he's not a good friend of mine, but he's somebody I joke around with at the gym and play basketball with sometime and we lift weights together sometimes. And I said, and uh, the guy's name's Tyler. And I said, hey, Tyler, so let, me, uh, let me tell you this idea I have. And uh, so we proceed to discuss it. I, you know, I tell him and I don't, I don't think I even worked out that day. We spent like an hour talking about it. And he's like, he's like yeah, yeah, let's, like, let's do it. Let's do it. And I'm like, well, what do you mean let's do it? He's like, I'll write it. And I'm like, well, what do I do? He's like, don't worry about it. You're the creator. And I'm like, so you're going to write it. I'm the creator and we're, you know, partner, 50, 50 partners. He's like, yeah, that's how, that's how it works. I'm like, I like this deal. <laughs> I'm like, that's not how it works in uh, technology, you know, but uh, you know, that's cool with me. And he's like, so then he's, he proceeds to, to start working on it. And I get updates every week or so or two. And he's like, yeah, you know, and I guess he, it, luckily I caught him between projects and he was kind of didn't have anything he was working on. And so, and he just could see, how the story should work. And uh, then about, um, I'm trying to think of this, this is probably in early November or something. He said, um, you know, I guess every once in a while I ask him for an update. And I said, what's going on? And, he's, and he said he had it done, but he didn't want to email a PDF. He wanted to give, it, give me a hard copy because he's kind of paranoid about that for some reason. And, and uh, But he never got me a copy. He kept saying, well, I haven't, I'll get it to you or whatever. <laughs> and uh, eventually he said, okay, so I have some interest in it. I'm talking to my agent. And he had this really weird, said this really weird thing. He's like, yeah, so my agent's telling me that, you know, that you shouldn't get any of it because, you know, you're not, you know, you didn't write it. He's like, but I don't think that sounds right. And then, then he came back and he starts talking about this 2% number that I should have. (laughs) And I really didn't say much. I'm like, he's like, yeah, yeah. So like you would have 2% and you know that, you know, and that's kind of like how it works. And, and it wasn't the thing where where he was asking or negotiating. I was kind of like, it was like when these things were just kind of like passing each other in the gym. And I said, oh, okay, uh, you know, not really responding because I was sort of surprised at what he was talking about. And then I didn't see him for a while. Most of, um, most of. This some- is about time when he changed gyms. Yeah, okay. So then about, I think it was three weeks, a month ago. Um, well, see, his, you know, my mom passed away and, and that's why I was gone for a while. And I was kind of not, I was not around. And then it turns out his mo- mother-in-law passed away and he wasn't around. And so we didn't really talk much for a while. And then when I ran into him finally in January, I said, I was, I was on the, I was on the elliptical talking to and someone who was someone next to me. And I saw him across the, I'm like, Hey, like Tyler. So what's, I'm like, so what's up with the screenplay? What's the status? And he's like, Oh, I sold it, man. I sold it. Kind of like giving me kind of waves me off. Like it's a crazy story. Like, Oh yeah, crazy. I, I'll tell you, I, I sold it. And I'm like, what? Are you serious? <laughs> I'm like, what? So I'm thinking, 
Well, you know what I'm thinking. Probably what everybody listening to this is thinking. Like, I mean, that's just. Incredible. I like to think of the best of people, but uh, you know, I'm kind of feeling like uh, this is not going to end well, <laughs> or not in my favor. So, um, you know, I and I, I in preparation for the show because I knew we were probably going to talk about this because I remember seeing somebody ask that question. I couldn't remember who it was, um, but now that you remind me, it was James McGrath. So, um, I called my buddy of mine up, Mitch, who's a uh, pretty successful um screen i mean i would say he's successful to minor like he's he's written a number of screenplays sold a few he's he's done a few like low budget three three four million dollar movies that he's directed or written uh the scripts for and i was like so and i told him the story i just told now and and i said and he's like yeah you know that's that's the kind of stuff happens sometimes it really sucks i said but here's the thing i said this is a matter of public record because i I described the whole thing on a podcast, which, you know, by this time, at least a couple thousand people have listened to, if not more. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not only did I describe the pit, the whole, the story that, you know, that outlined the pitch, but I also mentioned a buddy of mine who's a writer named Tyler. <laughs> I work with out at, I work out with at uh, 24 fitness. So this yeah. is a matter of public record. He's like, huh, that is interesting. <laughs> He's yeah. like, that's not the case. People who say don't have any kind of record. And I said, yeah, I got, you know, a couple thousand witnesses I could <laughs> call up. <laughs> and, uh, so, so hold on. So just tell us a little bit more. He's, he's sold it. What does that mean? I don't know yet. I, and I have seen him for like three weeks, which I used to see him every day. So I'm like, it's really curious. I'm not seeing Tyler at the gym anymore. <laughs> he's totally avoiding I'm you. wondering. I mean, I don't know, right? I, you know, it's like, I don't want to jump to conclusions and say, but the fact that he sold it and I was, and we never even, you know, got this registered with both of our names on it or anything like that is really kind of it. The ve- in, in the very best case, it's unprofessional. In the worst case, well, it's, it's just bizarre. Bad. It's just bizarre. I mean, it, the very fact that he's like, yeah, yeah, it should be a 50, 50 man. It's 50, 50. You get 50% for thinking of that idea. And, it's, and then, oh yeah, 2%. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like I just sold it, and I just oh, you're not getting anything. Else. <laughs> like, oh my god, that is like—I mean, I don't know. That's just, that's. Nuts. I mean, I guess maybe well, that's how Hollywood people in Hollywood and, and other—I guess you know—a lot of places they try and work. And unfortunately for him, I have a podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, listen. If it ever, but but here's the thing. I mean, how much? How much can you genuinely take credit for? I mean, coming up with an initial idea is—I mean. But when you're a, a series creator, small. if it's a TV show, you're, you're, you're due, you know, a fair chunk of change and residuals and everything else. That's funny. Okay, well, that's good. So that's answered that question. Yeah, I don't know. Awesome. I mean, so basically not a great, not a great um, at this point, it's not going very well. But it's interesting, though, that at least my idea got something happened with it. <laughs> I yeah. mean, even if it was completely stolen. Um, it was, it, it, the title of at least the title he had was something like, he was calling it Area 51, something like Need to Know or something like that. So if you see it showing up in the sci-fi channel like two years from now, you'll know where it came from. Okay, so then we have one final email from a listener. Okay. Um, Toby Osborne, you'll probably remember this one. Basically, the idea he wanted to say to us, ask us to consider is, had we thought that any food could also work as like a team hiring system. So a system where, so what you could, you could not just hire a single individual, but you could come along and hire like the A team 
Well, no, I don't think it really fits our model. I mean, I think, I think what you have to be careful of when you start a company is trying to do too much, and then you kind of um, you dilute the um, the brand because you dilute the focus. People don't really understand what you're trying to do. And since we're trying to do something very specific, which is that you can hire top end experts to give you advice, help you troubleshoot, mentor you, whatever it is you need. Um, and if we start getting things like teams and projects and stuff, that's just, that's really completely different. That's a different, um, model. It's sort of a different, it's a whole different, um, I don't know, business. And I don't think we would want to, I think there's a ton of opportunity in what we're trying to do. And I think we should just try and focus on it and do it really, really well, because we're, we're essentially inventing a a different way of doing business. And it's going to be hard enough getting that going. Not that something like that couldn't work, but that's, that's outside of what we're trying to do. And, and I think it's really important that you, that you keep your focus, that you decide on your business model, and then you go after it. And if you get, allow yourself to get distracted and go after all these sort of ancillary things or uh, sort of related markets, you're just going to end up with a Frankenstein offering. You bring up a good point about the opportunities, because all the time we were talking to Paul Pates, I was thinking, you know what? Any foo is like seriously a disruptive opportunity. Could be. It could you know be. what I mean? You know what I mean? Well, it's, it seems to kind of fit that thing. It certainly fits the thing in my mind of creating a new market. Yeah, no, the, 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 but that's always really hard. So we're, we're going after something, you know, we're, we're doing something in a way that hasn't normally been done. Um, that we, there's no existing competitors doing specifically this, um, which is that, you know, getting short-term consultation from high-end experts. You can find low-end expertise. You can get people to do tasks for you and virtual assistants, and you can, you know, do, commo- you know, commodity programming and stuff out to overseas, you know, more mostly overseas developers and stuff, but, you know, not what we're trying to do. So that's a challenge because then you have to, mm-hmm. you have to, in some ways, educate a market. So that's a challenge. And we're also creating a marketplace, a two-sided marketplace, which is also notoriously hard. So you're getting, you need buyers and sellers. So we have a lot of headwind uh, coming at us that we have to overcome to make it work. So it's funny as as G, as Georgie's seen me roll, seen me and you roll out any food. She's kind of. She said the other day. You said, "Oh, it's kind of complicated, isn't it? <laughs> it's a complicated business to start up." And I was like, "Yeah, it's it. It is actually more complicated than something like Plugio, which is basically just a. But it's not technically complicated. It's it's complicated from a business process point of view, and from a marketing point of view, and just." making it happen. It is. Um, so I guess we might as well get into the any food discussion. So one thing I wanted to talk about a little bit is, you know, what we're trying to do right now is we're pre-registering experts. And um, because, you know, the rest of the site isn't done and we won't have that completely done for a little while now. So we figure we, we might as well start getting experts registered because that's going to take some time. And what I've realized is that's probably going to be harder and take more time than we thought for a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, um, if you want really top-end experts, which is what we want, we want people who, have, who aren't just at, not only experts, but have some public evidence that they're an expert. They wrote a book on the topic. They've spoken at conferences. They've, you know, they've run major projects at, at, at big corporations or something that, you know, using this technology or whatever it is, right? Okay, so getting those people to say, okay, I'll create a profile. It's not just they go up and they enter email address and 
in write like a three-line description. I mean, they actually have to spend some time crafting a profile. It's like writing, it's like creating a resume in a way, but it's not a resume. It's, you have to write an introduction and you have to list your expertise and come with your highlights and it, it takes time. For no instant For no return, return. On, on basically a hope that the, that the site's going right. to and succeed. So, okay, so this is really interesting. So I've been thinking a lot about this and um, it's hard because, you know, we only have so many f- personal friends who are experts of the caliber that we need on the site. And, you know, I've, you and I have both been asking these friends of ours to create profiles. And in a sense, we're asking them a favor. Like, you know, and, and, and we got lucky in that we have a few people on who aren't personal friends. They might be texting listeners or people we know through the web who are generally supportive of the concept and, and like us through the show and, and kind of want to help out and, and want to see this succeed. Um, so we get some people that way. But, you know, you know, we might, if we're lucky, get a dozen people just through that, right? And, mm-hmm. but once you go beyond that, then you have to work a little harder. And it kind of reminds me of when I first started um, my soccer team. So I'm, I probably told the story before, but I, so I won't go too into it, but I, I, you know, about 10 or 12 years ago, I guess 12 years ago now, I created a, like a men's sort of semi-pro soccer team, but I had to create it out of scratch. I mean, it had, I didn't have, I had myself <laughs> as a player you know, and I was a decent college player, and I had uh, two friends of mine who were college players. And that was it, three guys. Well, three guys does not make a soccer team. And to create a soccer team, what I, the caliber that I was trying to create was going to be hard work. I, ha- I wanted to get a bunch of guys who were right at the pro level, maybe not quite good enough to play pro or trying to play pro, play pro or whatever. At the very least, they were really top-notch college players. <clears throat> so the way I did it is you know, just like we're doing is I went and talked to a few people who I was friendly with, who I knew were really good players. And I, and I pitched them the dream, right? Like I'm going to create this badass soccer team. We're going to be, you know, almost at a pro level and we're going to play in all these tournaments and these top notch leagues and all this stuff. And I got them kind of excited about it. Like, yeah, man, that sounds pretty cool. Like, well, who else do you got? (laughs) Right. Who else do you got? Well, you know, I'm working on it. Right. So what I did is I went and I, and I talked to, you know, a bunch of them. And I said, and what I would say is like, I sort of pitch them what I was, what I was trying to do, pitch them the dream. And I would tell them, he's the, here are the other guys I'm talking to. And I think I can get them. Right. <laughs> Which I did. I wasn't, I said, yeah. I think I can get them. I think I can get it. And I think, we, and, and when you, when you, and I started naming some people like, oh man, yeah, dude, that guy's awesome. Oh wow. He, him too. Wow. All right. Yeah. And they get a little more excited. So then I just hope to God that when the first practice came, they all showed up. <laughs> You don't want the one guy right. going up. So hey, man. So where are the guys? <laughs> right? That's really bad. So we're going to have to do the same thing in the sense that we have a little bit of a head start, and that we can probably have somewhere near a dozen impressive experts. Um, people like Don Felker and Lance Jones and and uh, Jonah Weeb and uh, Michael Hartle and I, I mean, I have a, we have a bunch of others, but these are all people who've created profiles who are really Michael Hartle wrote Rails tutorial. And uh, everybody knows Joanna Weeb from Copy Hackers and Don Felker wrote a couple of the big books on Android programming. He's a real top end expert in Android programming. So these people and the profiles are fantastic if you look at them. So and then and it turns out that, you know, like Don and, 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 and Mike and them have friends of theirs who they think would be good and that they can use their leverage to get. And it was just like how it worked on my soccer team. So I would get someone who 
say, had been playing pro for a few years and they decided that they were kind of done playing pro when they were going to, you know, they just got married. Maybe they were going to get a real job or something, right? And once they got excited about their team, they're like, they come out to a practice and they say, hey, man, this is pretty cool. I'm going to, you know what? I got a buddy of mine who just moved out and he's awesome. He used to play pro in Europe and he, I think he'd be in. You're like, sweet. That guy would show up. And then that guy would say, hey, man, this is pretty cool. My roommate was, uh, you know, All-American at UCLA. And he had, he's not playing anywhere anymore. How about I bring him out, <laughs> right? And it would just work that way. And then eventually, and, and then once you have those guys in the fold, you can use them as collateral with, new, with more people and say, hey, I got, we got this person, this person, this person, this person. We're playing in this league. And then, then you got collateral. You got credibility. And you can pull in other people. And then once you, you get an, a, a certain critical mass, and then people just start coming to you, right? You don't have to pitch them. They're like, hey, they, they calling you, they're coming out of the woodwork trying to, trying to you know, get on your team. And that's exactly what you're gonna, we're doing here. And what it's going to take is a lot of hustle and effort from us. This is like, we don't just build this website and put it up and say, hey, apply for your expertise if you're an expert. It's like, we have to go out and find these people, leverage the, the, the personal collateral we have, pitch it to them. And then when they want to set up profiles, we have to work with them almost like their editors. Hey, look, here's what your profile should look like. I think here's what you want to do to, to, to make it better because these profiles have to look great. Not just the individual people have to be awesome, but their profiles really have, has to frame who they are and really pitch why they're an expert. Yeah, we've been putting a lot of effort into it and we've, you know, so far 20 people have signed up, but of those, I would say only four or five of them are actually serious contenders in terms of the profiles and the the people, would you say that's correct? Um, I say, so we got five that are done. I would say they're complete and they're top end experts. And we got another three or four that are in process, like Rob Walling and a few other people who are big names and they just haven't quite finished another, another guy who's... Um, because well, another thing is, I mean, for example, Rob, the way that he's filled out his profile, that I could understand why he's done that because he, you know, he's, he doesn't have a lot of time he basically has pasted something, uh, copy and pasted from his other sources, something that's short and pithy and explains where he's at. But it's not quite what we're going after in terms of the amount of information and how much it's fleshed out and how much it basically sells him. Because I guess we want people on there, um, we want their profile to represent them in such a way that people are going to be just crazy yeah, to just, them, Yeah, right? they'd be crazy not to hire them. They're going to be blown away. And if it's yeah. not good enough, so yeah. we're going to, a profile is either approved or not. So we're going to... Uh, you know, go through each one and say, yeah, they're approved. So there are, there are five that we would say that are approved. The rest are not approved yet. So Dimitri Spanos is a friend of mine. He's a, he has a PhD in machine learning from Caltech. He's associate professor of machine learning at, um, at um, USC. And he's worked with a lot of startups and companies doing for machine learning projects. And now he's actually going through Y Combinator with his machine learning company. And he set up a profile and he's almost done. But I'm, we're not going to prove it until it's done. Right, because you want everyone up on the site. I mean, they have to have a good picture. They have to have a good introduction. They have to have all their expertise listed. They have to have highlights of it. And because you have to say this is the level we're operating at. And if we withhold up that level and we make people reach that level, people are going to respect that. And that's what's going to make other people want to join. If they see a bunch of half-assed, you know, two sentence introductions and a crappy picture, they're going to be like, "Yeah, this is bullshit. I'm not wasting my time." But if they see the top end, the heavy hitters on here, and they see the profiles, they're going to be like, wow, that's what I want to be part of. And that's exactly when I create, created Cobalt, the, my soccer team, I, w I, I would use this phrase, I recruited to intimidate. 
I wanted the guys in the team to, when we got on the field, you already lost. When you see the people walking out there, you're going to be like, holy crap. And it did. We would go <laughs> in these state tournaments, these National Cup qualifiers, and these teams that, these teams, a lot of in soccer teams, a lot of teams would be like all ethnic, it'd be all, like all Armenian, all Mexican, all Argentinian. And it would come up in ours, and mine would look like the United Nations. Mine would look like a pro team, right? Because I'd have like the African guys, and the English guys, and the German guys, and Brazilian guys. And we'd look like a pro team. The guys were look like athletes and they had that sort of swagger and people wanted to be a part of that. We had awesome uniforms. We had it together. And so when teams would play against us, I mean, they would almost wilt when, you know, I would see teams like warming up and they're like, Oh crap. <laughs> so if you, if you want to see a little bit of what we're talking about, um, you can already see a couple of profiles. So um, anyfoo.com forward slash Don Felker. That's D O N N F E L K E R. That's a great profile. And another really good profile is anyfoo.com forward slash M Hartle, M-H-A-R-T-L. Have a look at those two profiles and you'll get a sense of what, what with the kind of expertise that we're talking about, the, the kind of, let's say, polish, mm-hmm. polish and kind yeah, of... Yeah, I think Joanna, um, I think Joanna, fully, I think Joanna Weebs is the best, is, the, is, is very well polished too. Hers is, hers is... Okay, so that's um, jo- uh, anyfoo.com, uh, Joanna, J-O-A-N-N-A, Weeb, W-I-E-B-E. We'll put them in the, um, we'll put a... You put them in yeah, the so, shadows, yeah. Um, and and, and my, at first, people are going to think like, you know, if, we, if, if we're like being hard asses about profile, they'll be like, dude, what's the big deal? I mean, they might be slightly irritated or annoyed at first, but then once they get it up there, they're going to be glad it's done and they're going to understand the importance of it. They'll get it. And actually, it's interesting because a couple of our friends who have created, because we sent our emails out to a number of our friends who were maybe not, I mean, they were obviously smart people, successful experienced professional developers, but they weren't public experts, right? They hadn't written a book on the subject. And after they saw some of these profiles, they're like, yeah, uh, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't be a, on any, I don't really think I'm at that level. And they really, which is funny, which is actually an okay reaction, right? It was kind of like when I started the soccer team, guys, some of the guys who were friends of mine who were good college players, but once they saw the level of some of the talent coming out, they were just like, you know what, Jay, I don't know if I can this is a little too intense for me. I, I think I'm, I'm going to go play with this other team. I don't know if I can really hang and it's a little too stressful. And I, I, that's fine. I'd rather have that. But we don't want to have is, you know, it, it's actually different actually for us. We can actually have people on here who are experts but aren't public experts. You know, they don't have quite the, they won't be able to marshal quite the same kind of credibility because they don't, they didn't write the book. But as long as they really are experts in what, they, what they're listing, that's okay. But it's, it's nice to know that the people we do have listed are giving that impression that other people are getting a little intimidated. Where would someone like Pat Maddox stand? Are they, are they a, an expert on any food? Or, Pat's or going to no? be borderline in the sense that he's an expert, but he doesn't have the same sort of, I mean, like Mike Hartle wrote Rails Tutorial, which is like one of the most widely right. read you know, books on the subject. So he's an expert in Rails, period. He has a PhD in, in physics from Caltech. He's an expert in physics, period. You know, and if you have 12 things. Now, Pat is a really um, successful, expensive, and experienced Rails developer and a core contributor to RSpec. So, yeah, I think he qualifies as an expert. He may not have the same um, public... Um, uh, he, might, he, might ha- he might not pack as much of a punch that people see Rails tutorial and immediately go, okay. Like if you're, if you're some organization, because what we want is like you're some organization, let's say you're some company and you're starting a new, you're starting to adopt Rails as like your, 
you know, are we going to build a lot of technology? And you have some developers who are transitioning into Rails and you're feeling like, well, you know what? Some of this Rails stuff is looking a little hacky and we, we're just going down the wrong path. I wish we could have someone who's a top-notch expert. And you say, how about the guy who wrote Rails Tutorial who some of these guys have used to learn Rails, right? I mean, it's just, they don't even have to go any further. Right. That's it. Sold. Yes. Get him on. How much does he come? Okay. But what about the fact that at the top of Michael's um, profile, he says, I'm not available for deliverables. I won't build your website for you, but I am available for high-level strategy that's and advice. Web- that's exactly now, what Winifu is. We're not for building projects. I know, I know, but there's there's a certain there's a certain level of um, kind of screen sharing or advice that someone like Michael would be interested in giving that maybe would be different to what Pat Maddox would would be interested in giving, and maybe Pat Maddox would be interested in a little bit more in kind of helping you do it. I mean, even kind of doing a screen sharing session, it sounds like Michael wouldn't even be interested in a screen sharing no. session. He just wants to kind of like have a high no, level chat. I, you know I don't saying? think so. I think. He's saying not deliver. We, you know, Info is not going to be used for deliverables. You know, it's not that's not yeah. what it is. So he's actually what he's actually saying is sort of redundant. I mean, that's what Info is. I would almost say you don't even need to say that, Mike. That's what we're doing. Nobody's. I think he doesn't right. quite understand. Maybe he didn't quite understand what we're pitching with Info. So, but he just. Well, I think he wanted to make sure I'm not going to build it for you. But if you want to get it on and pay, <laughs> you know, he's 300 bucks an hour. You want to get on and spend a couple hours and have him help and have him help you and your team maybe think, think through sort of the architecture of your Rails application or whatever, I mean, that's what he can do. And that's why he'd be worth that amount of money because he'd probably save you a couple hours. It's actually cheap. cheap. It's save cheap. You. I mean, yeah. I, I was just going to say, I mean, if you think about it, basically helping you with your basic architecture for your entire project, you hire someone like that for, you know, five, five, ten hours. And that's actually you know, cheap because those, those things cost, you know, you could have spent 250,000 building that project. You get the best brain in the business to help you build the architecture. Well, yeah, I mean, that's great. You could actually get away with less experienced developers. If you had someone like them, like Mike on tap to, to answer your questions and and maybe, maybe talk to him once a week or two and say, Hey, so we built this stuff. We want to talk to you a little bit about our next step and direction, what you think. And he would say, okay, well, look at what you're doing. I would say, just do this, this, this. And so you could have some rails developers who have, six months, a year experience as opposed to five years experience and, you know, and their costs less because you have someone like him who can make sure you guys aren't going off in the wrong direction. So where are we at? Do you want to give a, a rundown or would you like Why don't you to? Go ahead. I've been talking about of Sure. Um, so what we've done so far is we've got it, like, like Jason says, we've, we've been kind of working on the site, rolling it out in a modular way. And the first thing that seemed to make sense to us was to make it, to make it available for experts to be able to register their profiles. Now we do have a lot of the piping in there for doing things like making payments and setting up sessions. And I would say it pretty much the entire site is built to say an 85, 90% level, but the actual onboarding process and signing up as an expert and creating a profile it's in its first incarnation, its first iteration is done. And we've had like 20, 22 experts sign up, 22 people sign up and register. Um, but we've realized through that process that we need to iterate and we need to rework it. Um, we initially built a step journey so that you have to go through these five steps and realize that this just isn't great. <clears throat> it's not great when people want to come back, you know, if people are halfway through the process and then they want to come back and do the process again. So now, rather than doing that step journey where you go through step one, two, three, four, five, we're creating more of a, a left-hand navigation concept, but it's also a step journey as well. Um, Get, got the idea from SendGrid, I think, uh, Jason did. 
And so basically it looks like a step journey and that when you've completed that page, you'll get a little check mark for each thing that you've done, like your basic profile, your expertise section, your payment details. But you can go back into the main um, profile area and then you'll instantly be able to click into any section and redo it at a later stage. Yeah, because when you set up a profile, it's going to be an ongoing process. I mean, it's going to take a little bit of time and you might want to sit down and write down some stuff and then come back and improve it and edit it. And, you know, and then also, of course, we're moving a couple of things, which is, the you know, collecting payment, your payout preferences. You know, if you want to get money sent to your bank through ACH or you want to have a check sent to you or, or whatever. Uh, and also we have to, if you're a U.S. citizen, we have to collect certain basic tax information you know, required by the IRS. Oh, this was a great Justin is right moment, by the way. Yeah. Um, I'd, <laughs> I'd been saying quite a few times, look, I really don't think that the payment information is necessary. We should only get that when we absolutely need it at the very last minute. And, um, yeah, we had a few arguments about it. But the good thing is, is that... Um, well, I came around that- to, I came around when I actually saw real evidence of that people being... First of all, people saying, yeah, it's, it, this is an involved process. And also kind of understanding that, yeah, you want to simplify that. As, you want to make people do as little work as possible early on. You want to make them a little yeah. more vested and before they have to do more work, especially giving, giving financial details. Now, it's one thing for us to ask um, personal friends of ours to set up their financial details. They know we're not stealing their identity, right? They know we're, we're being smart about how we're storing their social security number and stuff. And then people who you know, the, the, the people who are registering as experts who are listeners to the show have a certain level of trust. They know who we are. You know, they know that we're working hard to keep everything safe and protect and do things smart. And we're not going to do anything, you know, untoward with uh, their financial information. But once you get one step beyond that, and let's say like Don Felker said he knew some people who were really top notch that we could get. And he says, hey, you should sign up for Info. And all of a sudden we're asking, you know, we oh, we're having to sign up and we're asking all this financial stuff, you can, miss, you can see them going, huh, what, what, wait a minute, I'm a little nervous now. Right? Yeah. Now, if, we, if we'd only ask for their, their uh, tax information before they, when they get, somebody says, hey, they get a, they get a session request from a client, but, and, and before they can accept it, we'll pop says, listen, you got to enter your tax information before you can accept a session. They'll understand that. Right? Yeah. And then when they go to send an invoice and say, okay, well, when, yeah, you're sending your invoice, but we need to know how to pay you. So PayPal, ACH, right? They're going to get why they have to have it. They'll be like, yeah, well, if you want your money, you got to tell us how we can get that it to you, sense. right? That makes sense. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could almost move them completely off that registration area and just basically have them as a separate, separate area of the site. Yeah, I was kind of thinking on that. We could talk about that. I mean, I was, think, I was kind of thinking we should have it there just so that it's not a surprise that at some point they have to fill it out. Um, I was just going to have it there and say, you know, you'll see a new version. I want I ha- we didn't have a chance to talk about today, but maybe after the show we can go over it. And I was going to show you, like, it's kind of says optional for now. So at least they yeah. can just kind of see what it is and say, well, you could do it if you want, but, you know, understand at some point you'll have to tell us, you know, you're going to have to fill the, t- uh, you know, a few fields in this tax form, right? Or W9 yeah. form. But yeah, I-, I can see go either way. You know, we could move it off or, or whatever. But I just, what I just don't want to do, I want to be, I, I agree, I want to make people do as little work upfront as possible. I want to require as little trust from people as possible. Um, but I also don't want to surprise people later by saying, ha ha, now you got to tell us this information. You're like, well, I never knew I was going to have to give you this information, you know? So our goal for, if I understand correctly, for this time next week, for next weekend, is to get 10, to get up to 10 complete, you know, top quality expert profiles and also to have this, um, to have our second iteration of this sign-up process, 
completely out there and done so that we can then start moving on to the, the full workflow of the site. I think we'd go we, for more. I think we'd go for 12. I want to go for a dozen. Now, okay. it's going to sound ridiculous, right? A dozen experts. That, that's it. You know, that's the only people we have. But <laughs> it's, it's in, and I actually think I have a blog post. It's going to be entitled like something like the first 10 are the hardest. And it is. It's getting those first, the first three or four are brutal. Like getting, luckily we had, luckily Don, and I have to give a personal, send out a, just a personal thank you for Don to, for, for yeah, sort of very much. spending the time he did for creating a great profile. Because, you know, he, you know, he's obviously a busy guy. He has paying clients. This whole thing is still speculative. You know, there's a, there's, you know, he's believing in us that we're actually going to make it happen and that the concept will work, that he's going to spend time to craft this profile. Now, he obviously is a believer in it and he sees like, he really wants to work both as a client as expert. He's like, yeah, I really need an EC2 expert. Well, he, he's, the same, he's the same as me. He, he wants Anyfu to exist desperately because he wants to be able to use it to hire people, yeah. which is exactly the position that I, you know, I want something like that to exist. Yeah, and, and he also wants to, he think it'd be really cool to be an expert on it. He's like, that would work great. So, but still, you know, he could have been, it's kind of like the whole game theory of cooperate defect. Like, I'll defect. I won't work hard. I'll make everybody else do the work. And then when it looks like it's working, then I'll finally jump on. Right. But right. we have to figure out ultimately how to reward people who are cooperating. People who jump on early, I think we're going to need to, you know, those are the kind of people who are going to show up as like sample profiles. So people are going to show up first on the site. They're going to get a lot better of attention. We're really going to push those people and promote those people. Um, yeah. Not only because they're going to be the first people on, um, so they're going to be people who we're going to have to show early on, but they're also, we're going to reward them. So, and I think we need to come up with other ways that we can sort of, you know, show them our appreciation. But, you know, he, but the fact that he did that, then I could show, then when Joanna and Lance were like, hey, you know, we want to be on. And I said, well, here's what we're looking for. And I showed them Don's and they're like, oh crap, that's awesome. And then they create great ones. And then I showed theirs to other people and I was like, oh wow. Okay. So then, you know. That's it. Just kind of works out. Okay, so so that that was in response to twelve. Yes, we are going to have twelve twelve <laughs> profiles <laughs> and get the registration. Why do I talk stuff. so much? <laughs> get the registration stuff done by the next weekend. So absolutely, fully complete, and then from that point forward, we'll be moving on to trial trialing um, the session booking stuff. Is that correct? That's correct. And then I think. You know, and hopefully, you know, we go from 12 and then hopefully after the following week, maybe we can have like 20 and then maybe after the week we have, we get up to 30. You know, it's going to take a month. It's going to take a few months to get up there, but eventually, but when we have them. Are you thinking we need, we need to, to not build any session stuff? We just need to basically, we don't need to build any workflow stuff. We just need to focus on getting people to the I site. I think we Is can do both. I mean, I think you, I think we need to keep some momentum going with building the product, but we really need to focus on these experts like you emailed a few experts who you knew you need to usher them in you need to get on them and get them to finish yeah. it and go back and forth and say hey i think you need some more highlights here or maybe you should reorder this and just kind of you know be positive about it and be but just kind of get them through get them through it and you're gonna have to we're kind of like and I, as i told joanna i was like you know i don't mean to be pushy but kind of think of me like your agent <laughs> right help me help you right <laughs> you know i'm gonna show you the money <laughs> it's like for the reference, if anyone doesn't know Jerry Maguire, right? It's like, help me help you. I, 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 mean, I don't know for sure what I'm saying is going to work. I think I know. I think I'm right. I think I know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, make these changes and I think it'll work better. And she's like, all right, great. You know, and that's how we have to work. We, we have to, you have to almost act like their agent that you're, 
sort of hand-holding them through the process and getting them there. And they have to understand that you're not just being a pushy person, but you're just, you know, you're, you're, you know if it works, it's going to work for them too. I think it's good for us to get on the phone to these people as well, to speak to them one-to-one. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I, um, you know, we, we, we had that talk with Don and that was really helpful to us, I think. And I, it, was, it was fun talking to him too. It was enjoyable. I think, I think it's an enjoyable process. But, you know, another thing about this, what's really good about us doing this is that this is a serious barrier to entry. This is not something that other tech people are going to want to do. This is, a, this, is, this, is deep, this is deep down hustle. Right. I mean, this <laughs> well, they, hustling, yeah. hustle. they may not want to do it, but I mean, you know, they, I, it's interesting. It remains to be seen whether someone's going to kind of copy us as, as we. Yeah. Do this I mean, if as, they as do, like, it's going to be much later because the model hasn't been proven. There's a lot of other models that are going to work and it's just a big barrier to entry. You know, I mean, it's just, it's a lot of damn hard work. It's not like building a to-do list where you can just go out and build something and release it out or build an app and you don't have to like talk to people and beg and plead and cajole and threaten and, whatever it takes yeah. to make it happen. I mean, but that's what we're going to have to do. We're, you know, it's, it's a lot more, there's a lot more, this is going to be a lot more about entrepreneurship and, and just the raw hustle of hustle, a business yeah. than it is about creating cool new technology. That's just a small part of it. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, looking, yeah, forward no, to it. I'm looking forward to it because it keeps, it keeps reminding me of building Cobalt and Cobalt eventually came when it became one of the best, um, best teams in the country. We end up, uh, we end up actually, um, playing against in a scrimmage game, a uh, professional MLS soccer team, Shiva USA, called us down to the Staples, I mean, the Home Depot Center to play them. So that's the level we got to. I mean, you can imagine starting a basketball team and playing in the Lakers or the Clippers call you up for a scrimmage. That's the <laughs> level we were at from nothing, no money. And, uh, and I, you know, I did it once. We can do it. We can do it with uh, any food. Oh, we totally can. So anyway, um, moving on. All right. So, um, well, just one final thing. I, I have a little bit of a task for listeners. I don't know if there's anyone out there who's going to want to do this, but anyway. Is there anybody else? <laughs> I want to I find the first moment that we actually discussed any food. I've got the second moment. I found it through basically going through the episodes, but I can't find the first moment. I know we spoke, spoke about it a time before this, but the second time that we spoke about it was in episode 86, 28 minutes, 20 seconds in. Um, that was our second mention of it. But I'm sure that we mentioned it before where I said, oh, I really wish that this service existed. But anyway, so it's sometime in the first 85 episodes. <laughs> and I'd love it if someone could, uh, you know, if you happen to know off the top of your head or whatever. Just, well, some just people who knew the show have gone sort of like cherry picking old past episodes and listening to them once yeah. in a while. And, and somebody may have in not in not too distant past happened upon it and be like, you know, I think I heard that. Episode. Because that is basically the birth of any food, the, that, the moment that we had that discussion and it was on air. And so it would be great to be able to pinpoint it and say, look, there, there's a, the beginning of a business. You know what? I'd love to, yeah. I'd love it if we could find an interview with like the Airbnb guys about what they did in the first six months, like how they right. got people listing in the, you know, those, because, you know, it still reminds me of Uber when I, you know, it's like the first two months they had hardly anyone, any cars. It's a few cars driving around and nobody's riding. You know, it took a while. When is uh, MicroConf? Oh, hey, let's listen. Let's mention MicroConf. Well, I'm, uh, hey, they've sold out have anyway, they? but yeah, they've sold out. Ah. But, um, well, well, a couple of things. It's, it's the, uh, like the last day of March, first day of April kind of thing. Is that right? Like 31st and 1st. Oh man. But we, we need to have any food actually functional before that. Don't we? Yeah, well, it'll be, it, you know, we'll see. I mean, I mean, you know, we'll see. We'll try. 
Oh, I, I'll, I'll be I'll be pissed if, if all we're doing is still inviting experts. Well, I think we should. Uh, here's what I think. I think we'll have experts on and we'll probably have some transactions going through. You know, well, okay. like, here's here's how we do this. I mean, one is like, like Don says he's looking for an EC2 expert. So if anyone on the show is an EC2 expert um, or, you know, someone is an EC2 expert, please let us know because Don wants to hire him through any food. So we can get that person on, have them set, get, help them set up a profile and then have Don hire them, you know, use push a transaction through the site very good point and that and that that will actually force us to write the code for it yeah and so i think that's what we can do i think we can when we go through and talk to some experts it's like do you need anybody to for any specialty that you don't know and, and they will and um that can help us because i don't really want to say i don't want to do the big show hacker news kind of thing yet we got to make sure we're, we're well past that stage in fact that also brings up another point which is what who are you looking for right now because if you're looking for anyone Tell us, send us an email, and we will try and find an expert, get them signed up to any foo, and make it so that you can do business with them. Right. Yeah. What do you think about that? Absolutely. Yeah. We, I think it's kind of, you know, we can kind of work on the, a demand-oriented approach, which is, who, yeah. who do you need? Um, you need someone who's an expert in SQL Server, Redis, Clojure, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Just, yeah. uh, you know, let us know, and we'll go and find them. I mean, because it, it, it's, it's actually easier to an expert you know, if you know there's somebody's like who's willing to pay premium dollar to talk to you for a couple hours, yeah. right? And it's like, hey, you know, this is found money. If you can just come set a profile on the site and uh, we'll push a transaction through, and you know, I don't know, should be an easy, all right, easy sell. Well, that definitely is that definitely is the end of the any food section. Um, now, what do you want to talk about next? You know, I think we should talk about that whole. Uh, criticism and then the negative, positive feedback on the show comments a few weeks back, and I think that might be worth talking about just for a few minutes. Yeah, we, that's well, and, and and then it happened again with the Paul Pates interview, except you know aimed at uh, aimed at Paul rather than you. Well, so there's three incidents. Uh, there's three things that happened. So um, the initial the initial criticism um, was actually from uh, 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 Azure. I'm not sure if I pronounced his name correctly. Good, you're the name pronouncer, so I say Azure. I, yeah, it sounds like the Azure, the Microsoft Azure. So, um, yeah, you know, and I think ultimately he was just um, pointing out a weakness in the show that could be improved. I don't think he was trying right. to, you know, um, I don't think he was trying to be, uh, I don't know, what was troll that or something. Was well, he's just basically said that, um, I, I said something about preparing, we, we mentioned oh, something about preparing that, for the yeah. show, and he's like, yeah, well, I was sort of shocked to hear that you do any preparation, you know, and I think, I don't think there's any way that you guys are ever going to be a, a real show or get any real fans until you guys do research, or whatever it was. But the way yeah. he phrased it came across really kind of negative, and, you know, I was like, it was kind of funny, I'm waking up, I was just having breakfast, I'm sitting next to my you know, three-year-old, four-year-old daughter, she's four now, um, and she eating breakfast, kind of joking around with her, and then I read that, and I was just like, man, that's just brutal. It's literally like you wake up, you walk in the room, and someone punches you in the stomach. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. like you just like, it's not a lot of fun. <laughs> sucks, you know? You know, you know, but in some sense, I mean, he had a point, right? I mean, there are things like, I wish I had more time to it, and I wish, and I should do a little more preparation at times. And so he, it wasn't that it was not a valid criticism, but you know what I what I've learned in in um, in I don't know life <laughs> about criticizing people is that you can criticize people. It's just how you frame it. And I learned this from again my soccer team, right? Because I'm the coach manager, right? And I'm a player, so I have when people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, 
if I want our team to win and improve, I have to correct it, right? And so and, and I would have to talk to them and say, listen, stop doing that. Do this, you know, whatever. Don't do that. But you, you have a, it's really difficult to do that and have people respond the way you want them to respond. And I think a lot of times you just want to just tell them you're doing X, it's hurting us, stop doing it. And that you should just be simple and direct and, and, then, and just expect it to work. And it's frustrating when you can't do that. But what you can do is you're doing, you, know, you tell them what they're doing well. Like, hey, man, you're doing great. It was, you know, whatever. But hey, man, if you could just do more of this or what I really need you to do is this other thing, right? Mark number 12 out of the game. He's killing us, right? Can you, I need you to focus. And you kind of focus on what you want them to do. And, and, but you really, if you have to criticize them in any way, you, you preface it with what they're doing well. Because then they're kind of like, okay, then they're kind of like, it's generally positive, right? And I was just thinking like, it would have been so easy, you know, and I think Uxer realized this later. And he probably said, ah, oh, yeah, I probably should have said it a little differently. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just how you say it. You just kind of preface it with, with positive feedback. If you just say, hey, man, I really like the show. I've been listening a long time. I think, you know, I enjoy discussion shows or interviews or whatever, you know. But, hey, man, I think, I think you know, if you guys did a little more research and really, you know, had a slightly tighter show, it would really grow, which would be cool. I'd like to see that. That would have been like an awesome comment to get, right? I'd been like, you know what? He's right. I need to spend a little more time on research. People have um, taken our, our, what's the word? Um, our competition with startups for the rest of us. <laughs> I think people startups have, for the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, people have been helping us crush them, crush them. <laughs> and uh, we have got at least three new reviews since we said that three? on iTunes. What do we got? At least three. What do we got to do to get 47? Is that we need, what do we need to get 100 reviews? I think we need to get 45 now. Okay, we need to get 45. So what are we going to have to do to make that happen? I don't know. You, you tell us. You tell us. How can, how can we help you to help, help us? Help us help you. Help you help us. Somewhere. <laughs> no, help us help you help us. <laughs> you know, I do is, you know, I want to know who's coming to Microcroft. So say, don't even talk to us at Microcroft if you haven't written an iTunes review. That's all I have to say. So um, our last show with um, Paul Pates. Now, this is the first interview show that we've ever had you know, serious negative feedback about. Um, and it's, but it's not a hundred percent, it's not a hundred percent negative. I mean, there, I'm, there is sort of like 40% positive feedback about it. And Paul himself has got a lot of positive feedback through his own website, but it's just interesting that like these last three or four shows, we've had issues. What's, what's that all about? What do you mean? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's a trend as much as just coincidental. I think, um, it just, because we we did do some we did some, like we got a lot of positive feedback I guess for the three the two interviews before that, um, the Stripe interview and also the um, Alex McCaw interview. Well, no, and, and the most of I think the best interview we've done according to comments is probably the Rob Walling. Yeah, the Rob Walling interview. Oh. Everyone loved that. Yeah, I mean that yeah. was a fantastic interview. I mean Rob is such a fun guy to have on the show, and it was such a great story, and it was, you know, buying a company, the tech side of it, and the business side, and of course, since we're all friends, we can kind of yeah, we know him well enough to make fun yeah, of him as well. We can tease him and give him a hard time about this four-day <laughs> work week. Great. You know, <laughs> we're getting it's dark outside. You know, I mean, that was how does he get away with a four-day work week? That's hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. But you know, that show was. You'd great. So I think we had the momentum of just like that was a just a great interview, and the and the um, the Kaggle one was really interesting to people. It wasn't as 
fun is saying the Rob Walling one, but it was a really interesting topic, and a lot of people seem to like it. And the Stripe one was another really good one. Um, and uh, of course, you know, they're of course a big time startup now. They just got a hundred million dollar valuation like a week after we did our interview with him, or like four days after or something. And so. Paul, it was kind of like coming on stage after a couple of amazing performances. <laughs> it was <laughs> right. kind of un- unlucky for him. So he got a little unlucky yeah. that he came after this. And then he had Alex McCaw, right? So he had like four interviews in a row that were just great for different reasons. Mm. They were all just really top notch. And so that, that kind of put people's expectations kind of high. You know, they're just like, all right, man, these interviews are going to be a certain way or at a certain level. And his came on and it just started out slow. And I, for, I, for some reason, just said, you know, I'm just not going to interrupt him. He kind of was talking in a way that was hard to, 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 to sort of interject anything. And I don't know, I just kind of took a, like a laid back role, kind of like how you do with the interviews. And uh, he just kind of like kept going. You know? Well, I think the other thing, the other thing is that um, in his interview, he didn't have the social proof that you might expect for that, for what he was saying. So it, it, it almost came across like an opinion piece rather than something, you know, that was kind of academically researched. Okay. And I, I wonder if that was part of the, part of the reasoning why people took, took, you know, just didn't get into it so much because it was an opinion, you know? Yeah. I mean, it came, maybe there wasn't, maybe he didn't provide enough evidence for his, uh, his theory. And maybe I think also people have heard the Apple analogies of uh, enough, like are the Apple case study enough? I think if we had talked about something like Airbnb or Dropbox, those might've been more interesting to our listeners than say IBM or RIM. Um, but I, but on the, on, I just want to say on the other hand, I mean, I personally enjoyed it. Like I listened to it. I, I was listening to every word he was saying and um, I got a lot out of it. So I, I don't know. It's just, the other, I guess the other thing is like the style of delivery, right? So he's, you know, he's not used to um, doing podcasts or public speaking or whatever. Yeah, well, it, was, it, it just started yeah. off slow because yeah. he kind of went, he, he monologued I, and, and we didn't interrupt him. And, and, you know, that's our job is to, is to kind of keep things moving along. And, and I, in the future, I'll make sure I, I don't do that. I usually don't. I'm usually too busy interrupting them. That never happens because I always want to, you know, ask them another question or have some clarified or give some irrelevant anecdote. But, <laughs> but it felt like that it hadn't gotten to the end of what he was saying. So I didn't want to interrupt him yeah, I think that's until prob- he'd finished what he was saying. I think that's probably right. I think I agree with that. I think I remember being just like, well, I'm just going to let him finish. And it turned out what he had to say was fairly lengthy. And unfortunately, it's how we started off the show. And when people came on and they start listening, and it's just it's this ongoing kind of monologue, I think people are just like, you know, just, it just, it just, it's just like we watch a TV show and it starts out slow. You just change the channel. I think that's what happened. Yeah. But, you know, whatever we learned. And I think, um, I think Paul learned a little bit from that. And he wrote a big, long comment on a, on what he learned from the feedback and everything. So I think it was all good. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, every, it was a positive experience for everyone involved. Okay. So let's move on. We're talking. It's, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it was a positive Go experience on. for everybody. <laughs> I feel so good now. Happy to be the second runner up. <laughs> yeah. 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 So um, I guess something's kind of interesting. Um, so, you know, when I was coming back, I, you know, I go up to San Francisco every roughly three to four weeks to work with Uber. And, um, and I always take an Uber back and forth to, uh, you know, which is Lemo, or back and forth from the airport to the Uber headquarters down in, which is located sort of in Union Square. And, um, 
you know, be mostly because I get free Uber credits. <laughs> so it doesn't cost me anything. Um, so I, uh, and I always get a long discussion with the uh, drivers. I'm always curious what they think of the service and what's working for them or what they'd like to see changed and, um, and everything. And, um, when I was leaving, um, you know, it was, I, I, you know, I, I'd ordered an Uber, I went on the phone and I, and I, I was, I, it was kind of, it was a Saturday night. And so, and, you know, I don't know, there's like half a dozen guys there, Curtis and Kevin and Henry, if you're the guys. And I said, and I was like, so what's it look like? Is it busy or can I, do you think I can get an Uber? Cause sometimes in a Friday or Saturday night, if you go right when it's the busy, it's hard to get an Uber because there's just so many people trying to get one. There might, there may be 150, 200 drivers on, but they're just, you know, it's just difficult. And so, I, I got one and they're like, oh man, you got, um, I think his name is Sarian or something. And they're like, he's the white, you got the white unicorn. <laughs> like, I got the what? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, man, he's got a white town car. He's the white unicorn. He's our best driver. Like he is awesome. He's, the most high, like, he's one of the most highly rated and he makes by far the most money of any of our drivers. And he's been on there since very early on. He's been on the system for wow. a long time. I was like, wow, cool. So I get on, sure enough, this, this sleek white town car pulls and I get in and, and, uh, and so I'm like, ah, so I hear you're the best driver on Uber, you know, you're the white unicorn. Of course he, he kind of laughs. And, and so I start asking him <laughs> about it and I'm like, so why are you, what makes you so good? I, mean, I hear you make, you know, twice or three times what the average driver makes. And so we get into this long discussion about it and he goes, he goes, you know, he's like, I focus. He's like, I'm, when I'm working, I'm focusing. And he's like, I pay attention to where I need to be, where the customers are going to be. He's like, every night he goes home and he writes down, he journals, you know, where he made money. He know he look, he he goes through. He he, he first of all, I think Uber tracks each one of your trips, you know, for your So he knows where he picked them up, and where he dropped them off, and he reviews them and he makes notes about sort of like what was working well and what wasn't, where he should have been. And he also then showed me a. He was like on his um, iPhone or something. He showed me like a 10-page document he wrote, like a training manual of how to be a great, you know, Uber driver. Like how to be <laughs> successful. Because I guess Uber has, has hired him, the office will have him bring in to help train upcoming drivers. Like this is how, where you want to be and this is what you want to do and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Like never go off the system. You know, you always want to be on. You want to be quick. You want to do this or that. And, and I was going through it and I was like, it was amazing. Like he put a lot of thought into it. And what it reminded me of, you know, because my background in trading was talking to successful traders, like what made certain traders just successful, consistently make money? And they would say the same things, that they were focused, they didn't screw around, they would review their trades after the market closed or every night they would go over every trade that made money or less. They would try and figure out how they were making or losing money. They would figure out, because in the thing that, that, that the white unicorn told me was that, that it's constantly shifting. Every couple of weeks, the, the market shifts, where people are being picked up and where they're going, depending on the time of year and what's going on. Right, so he's following these sort of micro trends. And one of the one of the things that I heard from a cab driver um, was that short, quick rides pay the most. Is that true on the Uber system? I don't know, but one thing I did say, ask him because when he took me to the airport, I said, "So are you going to hang out at the airport and wait for a ride back?" He's like, "You know what? I'm not really an airport guy." You know, which is funny. Huh. Which reminds me of trading. So an airport would be like big swings. Like you're trying to make, you're going out to the airport and you're trying to make a lot of money in one chance, like $65 ride. Right. But 
you know, if you don't get a ride back, you could end up wasting a lot of time hanging around at the airport. Like you out there, and it's it's riskier, but it's a big payoff. So he t- he made lots of small rides. So I think you're right, which is like like traders yeah, make yeah. money. They like lots of small traders. They're not trying to ride the market too long. They're trying to make quick clips, lots of quick clips. Well, well think about it, right? A small ride is what a minimum of ten dollars, say. Well, say these, 10, I don't know. No, I mean that's for Uber, say twenty dollars. No, Uber's, Uber's more than that. Uber's probably more like you know a small ride's probably thirty bucks or something. Okay, so say so say thirty dollars, right? So so a long ride, I mean, lasting for an hour is never going to be as much as ten. 10 short rides. Yeah. yeah and you, I know, think, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, you know, so I don't know. So I, you know, I don't actually know if $30 are right. I mean, they, they're about 50% to twice as much as a normal cab ride. So whatever that works out to. But yeah, I think the smaller ones, there's less risk and you can just, and especially if you kind of know where the money is, it's like a trader knowing where the money is. Where's the money moving? Where's the action? Be where the money is. And one thing that was really interesting is he told me that the, he, he paid attention that when he would drive all of the financial people from the financial district home in the evenings, they, he, would, they were, he was always taking them to the mission. So those people, his customers, people who used Uber in the weekends or in the evenings were going to be where? The mission. The mission. So that's where he positioned himself on the weekend. So he paid attention to his rides. Where am I taking these people? He made notes about it. It was just, it was just fascinating because he, he was so folk dialed in. He was so focused. He was so systematic about it. And then he, he, he sort of abstracted it into rules, like, which is like some of these really good traders would write books. I'm like, this is how you trade. Like, this is the- Just goes to show you can really become an expert at anything. Yeah, can. I mean, you know, if there's <laughs> yeah, money, and it, it, was, it was interesting. So, and I think that's the title for the show, Interview with a Unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, uh, but yeah, that was just, um, that was probably the most interesting conversation I had had. I had a lot of interesting conversations while I was up there, um, but that was fa- that was fascinating. And because uh, um, just it was just it just it was just like I said. I told him I said, you know what? We could take out cost. We could talk a uh, ride, and we could replace ride with trade. And I swear, I could be talking to a a, a, a super successful trader, and this would be the same conversation. It was just amazing. Um, you know, I was up there also. I talked to. Um, I, I met with um, one of our listeners. Um, I don't know if I can pronounce his last name correctly. It was David Chadowski, I think Chadowski. Um, but he 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 um, had just dropped out of his PhD program. He's getting his math PhD in math at the University of Chicago, and now he's working at Kaggle, right? And I didn't get a chance to meet with the with with Anthony or Jeremy from Kaggle, but I, I met up with um, with uh, David. We had like, and I got one of the guys, Kevin, who was one of the math team. He's like a nuclear physics guy from Uber, and we went out and had like a three hour dinner and uh, was that fun it was fun it was a lot of fun talking i mean you know david's a really nice guy and it was cool kind of making the connection because i think uber might have some interest in using kaggle i was trying to make a match make there i was like kevin dude you guys gotta use kaggle for some of your stuff you also met um alex mccall when you were down there didn't you yeah yeah um so in the, on my la- friday night my last night yeah i ended up meeting up with him um and we hung out for a while we had a long conversation um it got so late you know i both kind of falling asleep rightly talking but i really was in there like oh. are you sure it wasn't just him for yeah he sleep? was i was tired too his eyes were getting red <laughs> my eyes were feeling like all right this is i'm done but it was really cool so he's he's doing a lot of cool stuff so he wrote spine js and he was showing me spine js mobile and it was amazing it was just like a like a like a native app it was so good and he was showing me stuff stuff he could do and he was talking about ace which some people might have saw on hacker news came out which is like a way that you can write node.js based applications um and it's completely synchronous you don't have to do with all like all the you know what they call callback hell it's just 
yeah. because it, it's based on what he what he wrote, which is a a, a library called I think he calls them fiber they're called fibers. Which no, he he didn't write fibers, but um, he used, he uses it. Okay, yeah. so he used fibers, and so I said, so I guess so. So Ace is kind of like Sinatra for Note. He's like, yeah, exactly. I'm like, that's cool. So we were talking about that, and we're talking about all the cool stuff he'd done. And I mean, he's just um, he's up to like you know. It's like seven projects, you know, working on or whatever. It seems like he's got, you know, a million things going on. So that was a lot of, that was a lot of fun. It was interesting, you know, because it was, again, that San Francisco thing. So I'm, I'm, I was hanging, I had dinner with, with Curtis and one of the guys who's some like senior developer over at Twitter, some developer manager. And then, you know, and then I go out and hang out with, you know, Alex and, you know, everyone's right there. Twitter, Stripe, yeah. Uber, obvious. I mean, they are all smack. Like I'm, I'm getting to the elevator and Evan Williams gets out of the elevator and I get there. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I know you. <laughs> it's weird, and um, yeah. So it's just it's it's kind of um it's kind of crazy being up there. Slap bang in the middle of it. It is. It's like living. It's like I'm living two lives. I'm down here in Pasadena, and, you know, living my normal life, and every few weeks I go up there for a few days, and it's just kind of a whole different world. So I guess uh, a little bit of an update on Plugio. I've been working on the uh, you know redoing the whole new UI thing. Mm-hmm. And um, that's going great. The, the design, the design that uh, Mike Garvey has done is just—it's sort of like it's like an iPad app. It, it seems like an iPad app. It seems like a touch app. And just working it through and reworking stuff. And um, I guess the old code base is kind of two years old at this stage. So I'm refactoring as well at the same time as I'm uh, redoing it. Um, I'm expecting it to take another two weeks, maybe, and then hopefully I should be able to relaunch Plugio with that new system. So that's cool. That's cool. That's where I'm at with that. No, you yeah. know, the front end is, is, is this like all JavaScript now? It's not using PHP much other than API. Calls? It always was JavaScript. It's, it, it basically Plugio has always been hundred percent JavaScript. I mean, basically it, it's just JavaScript talking to an API. Okay. All right. Oh, that's cool. It was kind of interesting. I was watching, I was reading this thing by there. They were talking about Basecamp next, and I'm I'm sure you've seen some of that pop up on Hacker News because I haven't actually. Every day, it's like they got another article that's talking about something has to do with Basecamp. I mean, they're really doing some good promotion on that, and they were talking about how they they didn't want to um, do everything in JavaScript, but they want to make it really fast, and they did some clever things. Basically, they do some really clever caching stuff, but. Um, but because they want to be able to use Ruby and, and use Rails, because that's kind of that's where that's what they're experts in, and they're not really they don't enjoy writing pure JavaScript, MVC, you know, MVC kind of stuff. And uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, you know, obviously you can do it that way. You can you know do a server side and then just you know send because they would just send pure HTML segments of HTML that was cached. Yeah, and I thought that was kind of interesting, but. I don't know. I think uh, in in some ways they may be living in the past. I think yeah. I think everything's going. Yeah. Uh, I think it's all going to client side. It's, it's going to be. AP. I used to. I mean, I, I used to absolutely hate JavaScript, and I thought it was just a joke. But um, I don't know. So at some some point, about four years ago, it just it just all came came true for me. I think at some point I got to make the move to CoffeeScript. I'm starting to get the itch. I love. Oh script. really? I'm thinking. I don't know. It just seems so nice. Um, I don't know. I'm talking with having the talk with Alex. It kind of is getting me convinced. I need to be on my. Especially, it seems like it's really easy to learn. I may be kind of fun to do that. I think like our second or third generation of uh, any food might be kind of thing. Like we move it completely client side. 
you know, because yeah. right now we don't have to worry about scaling. I mean, it can be slow as crap because even if, you know, once it gets going, <laughs> someone's going to notice because it's not like we're going to have a load on it. But at some point when you have enough people on it that you got to worry about it, the, the servers being fast enough, it, it would be kind of cool to make it sort of just API. Just to- It doesn't seem like the kind of application that would ever suffer from a scale issue. I mean, it's because it's not like, I don't know, Plugio where there's constant connections to the server. Yeah. You know, what like one user will only do about, I don't know, three or four page views. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I, 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 you know, it's like famous last words. Well, yeah. will never you. you never need more than 640K. <laughs> the Titanic will never sink. <laughs> it's unsinkable. There can only be a need for four computers in the entire world, you know. <laughs> Thomas Watson, you know, yeah. whatever. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Famous last words. We're never worried about scale. But I hope we do run into that. I hope that is a problem. I hope, I hope we have to write it. JavaScript or CoffeeScript on the front end. So, um, you know, one thing I've had to do, so I haven't been, I've, I've kind of only learned enough Git to, to do the basic things that I need to do. I probably have like, you know, 10 or 12 um, commands that I know. You know, pull, push, push, check out, stash, apply, you know, command, that kind of stuff. And, but Git is insanely complex. And they were really starting a bunch of crazy stuff with, you know, all this sort of rebasing and um, sub modules and these crazy, I don't know, branch stuff they were doing. And I was like, you know, so I kept having situations where I'm trying to commit stuff and I was running into problems. And, and Curtis is like, and I would ask Curtis, like, dude, what's going on? You know, can you help me out here? I don't even know what's going on. And finally, like, and, I, and finally, like, he was so busy that he wasn't available. At first, I thought he was just ignoring me. I thought he was just like tough love, like you got to learn this on your own, <laughs> you know, which would have been fair, right? Because I'm constantly like, you know, not constantly, but, you know, it seems like at least once a week, I'm like, I don't know, man, something's going on with, with I don't know, this crazy rebase thing you're doing. And, you know, what, what do I need to do? Am I in to get my commit to, to be accepted? And so finally, I'm like, all right. So I pull out the pro get book. And start reading up on submodules because they had some submodule stuff that was screwing me up. And I don't know, it's kind of have a couple reactions to Git. And one is, it's like, damn, this thing is complicated. Like, why does it have to be so freaking complicated? But I guess I understand it for like large projects, open source projects where you have tons of people. And so you have to, you know, be able to handle all kind of weird scenarios when you talk about, you know, you know, merging all these branches and rebasing and stuff and, and, uh, sub modules and things. And, um, you know, but it's like, once you understand it, it's like, you're like, okay, it's not that bad, but I tell you what, coming into it is brutal. I mm-hmm. think, I think we got it. We're gonna have to get some get experts on because I think there's going to be demand for people who are. That's true. You know, like I could see projects getting themselves in a situation where, like we don't know what's going on. Our repository, our repos are all, you know, screwed up, and you got to bring somebody in. And I was talking, someone was writing about that. I, I read some article about that, and they were talking about how that some people have they have per, they have actually full time people who are just like Git masters. That all they do is just sort through that stuff, kind of like a DBA right. or something. Yeah, I could totally believe that. Yeah. So, what are your feelings about Git? Because I kind of pushed Git on you. You were like, well, let's just use subversion and i was i didn't mind i mean it's just it's just because i already had um a beanstalk account and um as it turns out i had beanstalk and i was happy to use git on beanstalk the reason why i want to use beanstalk is because it has all the auto deploy stuff built in right so i i pay for this service 
And so when we commit stuff, it will auto-deploy to various servers at, at our choosing, and we can also manually, de- manually deploy to other servers. But you didn't want to go with it because you wanted to go with GitHub. You, like you, you, you get something into your head and you're like, nope, that's the way I want to do it. That's the way we're going to do it. <laughs> so, then we, so then we had to go with GitHub. So uh, what, we, what I needed to do was to do the whole um, post-commit hook thing, and then that pings our server. And then on our server, our server does a git pull. And so that was the way we ended up doing it. Um, I was fine. I'm fine. I mean, basically, I don't do any command line stuff. I do it all using smart git. So I don't even need to think about the command line. Smart git's a really Yeah, and we're not doing anything uh, fancy. I mean, we're doing really basic, you know. We have one, yeah, well, but we smart just, we git just, does all that stuff. Yeah. It does it all. It's, it just does it all by point and click. Right? You, you don't need to know what, what rebasing or any of that stuff is. You just click the menu, you know, just do some, do some clicks I and it wonder, will do it for you. I mean, I wonder if it's just because we're both working on the master branch and we're not doing anything f- fancy, but if we had sub modules and we were doing, and we were doing multiple branches and having to merge them in and rebase off a new branch, I bet you have to understand no. that to some degree to use it, don't you think? Well, I was working with Sebastian and we were doing branches all the time and it was just so easy actually in SmartKit, hmm. just, just so easy. <laughs> And um, should... it was just really easy to switch them in and out and just, just make it work. And then the other thing that SmartGit has that's really great is you. I showed you, you just double-click on a file and it shows you the diffs. You can see exactly what the differences are. Mm. Yeah, no, maybe I'll yeah. take a look at it. Well, you know, one thing I want to say, it wasn't necessarily, I, I did really like GitHub, but one thing I wanted to make sure when we were setting this up is I wanted every, I didn't want anything under personal accounts. I didn't yeah. want things on your on my you know, server, your get a, your beanstalk. I wanted and any foo LLC is the account holder, you know, I mean, it's, it's ultimately a company account with a company credit card. I mean, things done right. I, I don't like the sort of like hacky things, like things are under different personal accounts. And I, I think that's just a sloppy way to do things or unprofessional. So that's why I was insisting, even though it seemed kind of silly, it's like, let's just set up our pay our eight or 10 bucks a month to GitHub and pay our eight or 10 or whatever it is, 20 or 30 bucks a month to racks. Building the true foundation of the company and the business, it's the right way to do it. Yeah, just it, just it get is. it going. And I just thought yeah. Git, Git seemed to be like the new, kind of like the things are moving in that direction. It's like, well, let's just do it that way. But some version yeah. would have worked fine too. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's not a big deal. But you know, I was kind of thinking about that. It's like I, it's like I was reading about something, uh, this blog post, it was called like kitchen coders or kitchen table coders where they would, and these guys would rent this uh, kind of loft and they would like once a week have like a coding session where they could say this week, we're going to do this technology. And they would in, they would have an invite enough people in that could fit around their kitchen table and they would just do like a tutorial on it. So we're going to spend two, three hours working on, you know, Hadoop or something, you know, and yeah. that's kind of cool. And it's like, you know, I wish I had a little more time I mean, right now I just have so little time. I can, I, I have to be very sort of just specific about what I'm doing. It has to be very much in line with solving the problem I have to solve for Uber or Anifu or whatever. But um, I was thinking like the list of things that I need to become better at, I think. And it's like, if I had to make the top two, it would have to become, I need to learn get better. And the other one is Linux administration. I think that's sort of my Achilles heel. And I'm discovering the fact that I don't own Linux admin very well, that I'm just sort of, I just know the very basic commands to get around the system. Well, pretty soon you'll be able to hire an expert. Yeah, I guess so. What do you think your uh, weaknesses? And the other one I would say is regular expressions. I suck at regular expressions. Um, I'm pretty good at regular expressions. I, I know my way around Linux. And I use SmartKit, so none of those. Smart yeah, but, what, are your, what, would you, what would you say your, your Achilles, your, your embarrassing 
weaknesses are? Um, I would have said it was something like Cake or Cairngorm. Like when I started to learn both of those things. Or, or Symphony. Like these kind of just really difficult, fully abstracted, got to know it their way kind of frameworks. Basically, I just uh, each time you learn a new one of those frameworks, it's like wading through sludge. I would, and, I would uh, think you would. I would have guessed you would have said like you know data structures and algorithms, like the comsci stuff that you didn't get. Yeah, yeah, quite the form, possibly. Or the formal because you've learned sort of you kind of like street fighting coding. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. You're a street fighter. You're not a train. <laughs> you didn't go and get a you know a master's degree in com, computer science. So like you know you're kind of oh. Oven sort of analysis of algorithms and you know data structures. I, I would think compiler theory, all that kind of stuff. I would think that that would be. Oh, I think that's definitely true. Yeah. That and what was the other one? I was thinking of um, it'd be algorithms and well, I guess you're. I guess it doesn't really matter with the code, but you're not. You're not really comfortable with the object oriented program. I mean, you'll write a class, but you don't really think in terms of that. And you know. Yeah. No, I, I don't, <clears throat> and I probably should, but um, I don't know. My code, my, the stuff that I put out tends to be extremely snappy and work very fast. And I think, I think a large part of that is the way that I write it. Yeah, I mean, the way is obviously you don't have to. I mean, that, that's what's so funny. I, I see all these interviews and they're always talking about, like, always give algorithm questions. You know, like, well, how, you know, how does this algorithm work? How does data structure? But the reality is, is how much of your time is spent dealing with hard algorithms? Almost never. Almost never yeah. have to write algorithmic, interesting algorithms. It's just usually straight up loops and if and yeah. switch statements i mean it's just it's so rare that you actually have to do something like that say like, oh wow so what kind of a uh crazy sorting search algorithm we got to do it's like I, I don't know it's such a special case and they always test on that stuff and i always well i'll just ask a friend to do it <laughs> i mean if, if i've got some physics thing to do like um i was working on the, yeah, i was working on this this skyboard concept with sebastian and i wanted it to be able to a scenario where you could like flick it and it would scroll in a physics way. Mm -hmm. I just basically asked Sebastian to do the physics for that. Right. Well, that's where you can you can yeah. call someone in. And say, all right, there's some kind of crazy yeah. algorithm. I'm not exactly sure how it works. Yeah. You know, help me out. So, um, why don't we? I got one small topic, and why don't we call it a show? I think so. I was waiting for you to say that, but I, I didn't want to say it because I'm, I'm always always the one to kind of close the show down. <laughs> but we've been recording for two hours twenty at this. Have stage. we? Yeah. Well, I was just, it's not going to end up being two hours twenty because there, because there's some editing to be done. But uh, I was just I was just going to say that you know how we talked a while back about how they, there was this um, research going on at uh, the it was the Rasmus Medical Center in Rotterdam with the H five N one virus, the bird flu virus. Yeah, and we were kind of worried about it. Yeah, they made it airborne, and they were like, "Wow, we're yeah. we made it airborne, so you know, and human to human kind of transferability." And we're like, "Whoa." <laughs> that is really scary. Right. That shouldn't be allowed, or that should be under heavy. Well, it turns out that a lot of other people in the in the scientific research community, specifically in the U.S., um, also are very worried about it. And so now there's been a 60 day moratorium on the research, and it's been published. They published. They did a partial publication. They withheld a lot of it so that nobody could duplicate the research. But it's been published in Science and Nature, which are the two premier uh, scientific journals. And a lot of people were worried about that. Some of the one of the, one of the scientists they brought on said, look, you're doing this at an, at an enhanced BSL-3 level like um, uh, center, which is not like the top, top security for like extremely contagious you know, disease research. And that it should be at a BSL-4. 
And apparently they don't have that at the research center. So it's at that level, it's, it's, it's a less secure um, level, but it's, it's really interesting that, that, that it wasn't just, you know, our ignorance of the field, you know, that thinking that this is, doesn't sound like a good idea, Yeah. but it, you know, it turns out that uh, there's a lot of people who are scientists who think it is something that needs to be a little more carefully thought out. I mean, I, I, I had a, um, I think it was an email. I don't think it was a comment. I think it was an email from a listener who is a, a, um, a practicing, um, I don't know, biochemist or molecular biologist or something in, and they knew a lot about this field. And I said, listen, there are good reasons to be doing this and, and whatever. But um, so I, I don't think it's, it's, a, it's really clear. I mean, there are pros and cons, but it sounds like this is the kind of stuff that needs, if they're going to do it, it needs to be very done in a very careful way. They can't, this is not the kind of stuff there could be an accident. Whoops. You know, and if I did one of the scientists and he just went home to his family, oops, the other train. <laughs> Holy yeah, exactly. crap! You know, it's like yeah. because the, the people. I think, I think they said like 600 people or something. I can't remember the exact number. It's like probably like 600 people contracted H5N1 and half of them died. Yeah, exactly. It's going to wipe out half the population. And that was people thousands. who were not transferring it to each other. Those were all people who got direct contact from birds. So yeah. if half the people died, that's no good. That's not. No. That's not something you mess around with, and if it you don't want to play with that, and especially if it's something that presents initially kind of more like a flu, you know, so like just like someone's kind of sick, I'm kind of sneezing, I got a headache, and so the people go to work like that, they still go out and do stuff, they go to the store, it could be easy to get other people sick, you know. Sounds like a uh, you know, just as you said that, my next door neighbor sneezed. <laughs> I'm like, uh, oh no, you haven't recently been to the Netherlands, have you? <laughs> yeah, so all right, so that's good news, dude. We, we better call this one. All right. Until next week, that's a wrap. We're out.